Well, hello. And I'm in the know. My name's Caleb, and I am uh, from Scotland. I'm from here. I live in Scotland the last while. Um, I'm really excited to be back um, preaching again this morning. Uh, I know many of you are probably thinking, oh no, not this guy again. Uh, so I <laughs> just want to tell you a little bit about myself. I realized last time I didn't tell you why I'm in Scotland, why you need to send people to Scotland, anything like that. So I thought I'd take a few minutes and tell you about that. I'd start with why Scotland. Scotland is largely unchurched and largely unchristian. 5% of the population of Scotland believe in Jesus. It's a really small amount of people. And it's really, really sad when you think about 50 years ago, 50% of the population knew Jesus. The decline is steep and rapid. Um, Of the 5% of Christians that Scotland has, uh, 43% of that, You like these stats? 43% of those Christians are over the age of 65. So it's safe to assume that we will still see decline over the next 10 to 20 years. Unless we do something about it. If things stay exactly as they are, the church will just continue on its way out. Unless somebody or someone, the church, stands up and says, no. So we sent, so my wife and I decided... Well, we didn't really decide. Um, we really felt called to go. So why, why me, though? Why should I, why, do I, why did we go? It's a, it's a crazy story. Um, sorry. I get really overwhelmed when I think about the people in Scotland who don't know Jesus. It's a burden that I have. Um, and I'm trying to con- compose myself here. Uh, I first felt called to go to the United Kingdom in 2012. I was a freshman in college. I had no real direction in my life other than I wanted to be in ministry. And I sat in a church service and I heard a man speak of the great gospel need in the UK. That all across the UK, people don't know Jesus. That the church is in decline. And I thought, wow, like, yeah, Lord, send them workers. Send people to go and help the church. And that's in that moment the Lord said, yeah, you, you go. And I, I could not believe it. I was, I was in denial. I was in doubt. Like, surely I have just made this up. The emotion has got better of me. I couldn't believe it. This is not me. I am not qualified or good enough or called to be a missionary. That's insane. Like, wrong number. New phone. Who dis? You know? <laughs> God, it's. Not me. Oh, a lapel mic. You know? So, and, I, and I, I couldn't shake the feeling, though, for three years. For three years, I couldn't shake this feeling of, like, God saying, go. I'm like, but I'm in, you know, I'm in college, and, you know, I've got a girlfriend, and, you know, really, i got big plans for my life, God, so if you could not interfere with those. <laughs> um, and for three years, so I just couldn't shake this feeling. And I'm, finally, I was just like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go to the U.K. If, if you want me to go there, I'm going to go just to kind of in spite or just prove you wrong or I don't know. I didn't know what to expect. But in 2015, three years later, I go to London and I take the tube into the center of the city. I step off that train into King's Cross Station and in a moment, I knew. God wanted me here. This is it. This is the country, man. United Kingdom. You finally made it. It's home. 
I couldn't, and, I just, and that, from that moment I knew. And I, I came, I was, I, was so, I was so enraptured, I, thought, I felt so at home, I, I was questioned even taking my flight back to the States. I'm like, God wants me here, like, I'm here, like, why even go back and finish my degree? Why go back to my girlfriend? Why do any of that? <laughs> I'm here. It's so hard to get back here. It's a lot of money. <laughs> but I, I come back and I, I begin to dream about what it's like to live there. What, what would that be like? And so for another three years, and some nice, uh, nice breakdown there. For another three years, I, I spend thinking and dreaming about what it's like to go. So I get married, because why not? She's really cute and pretty. She sits here in the front. Uh, I get married because she seems to be on board with moving to the UK. And we decide, you know what? Seven months into our marriage, we say, let's go. God's telling us it's time to go. We, we're not in Phoenix anymore. We're leaving. And it was this open door that God had set before us. This open door to go and do ministry in Scotland. And so we sold all we had. We moved into with family. We got rid of everything we owned. We prayed. We fundraised. We prayed some more. We freaked out. We bought plane tickets. And then we, we walked through the door, into Scotland, into ministry. We went through this door that only God could open. And no one could shut it. We walked into an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. We get to love people every single day this last year. Love them like Christ loves them. Get to know them like Christ knows them. God opened the door for us to be in Scotland. He set before us an open door. And this morning, we're going to read about a church in Philadelphia that has a door set before them that God has opened, and no one can shut it. So open up your Bibles or your phones or whatever that has the Word of God in it to Revelation chapter 3, verse number 7. I'll read those out for us. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Christ has placed before this church an open door. And what he has opened, no one, no thing, can shut. He is telling the church in Philadelphia that he is at work in their city. That he, there is an opportunity for them to share the gospel. 
to go out into the world and to where they live and tell the world about who Jesus is. Christ wants to encourage this church. They are weak, perhaps small in number. They are discouraged. They are persecuted by these false Jews. And yet this church has stayed faithful. They have endured. The door is open for ministry opportunities in their city, for ministry opportunities everywhere they are. You see, when I moved to Scotland, I very quickly had a ministry opportunity opened to me. Christ had set before me an open door. My wife got a job at a hotel in the city, in the city center. And shortly after that, this hotel was like, we're going to throw a little work party uh, for you guys in one of the pubs in town. Kind of cool. Um, so we, we, we both go. It turns out that at this party, um, there's beer pong being played. And so naturally, I was like, hey, I, I went to college and I play beer pong. So I join in. <laughs> and I partner up with a Portuguese guy there about my age. We didn't really talk much. But there's one thing we did do. And that was dominate the beer pong scene. <laughs> so we crushed it. We won game after game. The Lord was in it, man. <laughs> so we, we're playing beer pong. All the while, we're playing beer pong. I'm thinking, I want to get to know this guy better. I want to be friends with this guy. Turns out, I don't have many friends in Scotland. Uh, I just got there. I didn't know anyone. So I was like, I'd like this guy to be my friend. At the very least, he's good at beer pong. And so I was praying the whole time, the whole time we're playing beer pong, Lord, like, give me an excuse to ask this guy for his phone number that wouldn't make me, like, super creepy or weird. Lord, just, uh, how, like, help me. Help me, Lord. I don't know what to do. I've never talked to a Portuguese guy before. I don't know what's going on. His English is kind of broken. I'm not entirely sure what he says all the time. I, Lord, help me. Help me. The whole time we're playing beer pong. Who prays while they play beer pong? I was, I was... I was in it, man. I didn't know what to do. And this whole time, I'm praying. I'm like, God, just help me. And the end of the night comes around, and believe it or not, God did not give me, like, this slick line to get the number from him. God wasn't like, if you say these words in this order, you're going to get his number. And I was like, man, um, man, I, I just, I'm like, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to chicken out. I'm not going to ask him. I'm just, uh, it's just totally discouraged. <laughs> I failed. And I go, hey, man, uh, it's nice. My wife and I were leaving. It's so nice to meet you tonight. And at this point, he's pretty hammered from all the beer pong. And I'm like, no way is he going to remember who I am. And this is just, this is over. And he says, I say, bye. And he goes, hey, man, it's nice to meet you. Here's, here's my phone number. Uh, let's hang out again. And I'm like, no. <laughs> That's too easy. <laughs> so I, I take down his number and... Fast forward a few months, and me and this guy are thick as thieves. We have been walking through life together ever since September. God opened this door. It's right in front of me. He even kind of pushed me through it. And so we, we've talked about life. We've talked about love. We've talked about faith. We've talked about Christ. We've gotten to know one another. And it hasn't been smooth it wasn't like the next time we hung out, I sat down and got a coffee with him. And I said, so let's open up to Romans. We're going to go through the road here. And you, Jesus, get to know him. Believe it or not, that's not how that worked. And it was countless coffees and, 
and beers and hanging out and bringing him into my home and getting to know him and letting him know I loved him. Christ loves him. And it turns out he kind of, he loves me back. So I built this beautiful relationship and when I got to share the gospel with him, which I've shared countless times with him, he listens. When we met, he didn't go to church. Now he does. We're not there yet, though. It's been a year we've been walking together. And, you know, he goes to church. He likes the music. He loves the worship. It's all great. But, you know, this, the part where Jesus rises from the dead is just a bridge too far for him. But I know that God is at work in his life. I've got to be a part of his life. I've got to walk through this open door that Christ set before me. And it's been amazing. And I know that not too long from now, he'll walk through the door too. Because you see, the door is not just open for me, but the door is open for him. You see, I walked through the door into a ministry opportunity, and yet the door that's open for him is into the kingdom of heaven. The door is open for him. God is saying, come in. Come, be a part of my family. Come be in my presence. You see, now the question that I'm sure all of you are having right about now, though, is how do I know that God has opened a door for me? How do I know that that's actually God opening the door? It's not just something I've made up, right? How do I know that this is God who's leading me? The obvious and easy and not so easy answer the one that I'm sure you all already know but don't necessarily want to hear is we pray. We pray. And I don't mean you pray in the morning um, before your meal. I don't mean you pray before every meal. I mean you pray between every single meal all the time. You see, when I lived here in Phoenix, I had beautiful, beautiful friendships. I had a rich community, you all a part of it. I was ingrained in the, in the community. I had mentors. I had friends. I had a family who loved me. I had a loving wife. I was supported on all sides. Any which way I could fall, someone was there to catch me. I had been able to convince myself I can get through this life by myself. I've got all these great people around me. Do I really need to pray? No. I need to get coffee with my mentor, and talk to him about what I'm struggling with. I need to sit down with some friends and process things. I need people. And yes, we do need people. Relationships are good. Don't hear me say that they're bad. But at some point, I had, I had convinced myself I did not need to rely on God. Yet, I had a very rude awakening when I moved to Scotland. Everything changed overnight. No friends. No family. Well, my wife came. <laughs> but believe it or not, my wife was not all those support systems. It would be unfair to place that burden on her anyways. I had no one but God. I had to rely on him. Why was I praying during beer pong? Because <laughs> I needed to. Because I, I want to love these people. I want to have a direction. I'm here. I walked through the door. But now I'm like, okay, what next, God? Where are you leading me next? I want to love the people of Scotland. 
I want to love these people who don't know you, but turns out I need to make some Scottish friends. So if you could tell me where to do that, that would be great. I don't know much about what Scottish people do for fun. They're kind of hard to find. They're very recluse. Where are they, Lord? Guide me, lead me, help me. Help me understand their accent. Help me converse with them. Let me get really good about talking about the weather, but also let me get really good at listening to them. We pray. We have to pray with a fervor and consistency like we've never prayed before. Asking, Lord, where are you leading me? Where are the open doors that you've set before me? Because he has set before you open doors. We need to be constantly communicating with God, constantly aware that he is near and present and active. Second way that we can know the door is open is we realize that we get to be a part of the manifestation of God's love in people's lives. That we get to be involved in what God is doing in the lives of others. That we get to partner with what God is doing. We get to join in on what he's saying and what he's doing in their lives. I'll tell you an example to make that a little clearer. My wife and I live in Edinburgh, if I haven't made that clear. Um, (laughs) Edinburgh is a really funny city, and all of UK, really. So the UK is notoriously known for being rainy and humid and and damp, not sunny at all. Um, And they do this really fun thing where they don't like dryers. They're not fans. So why, why dry your clothes when you can hang them up in your home and like, have a nice musty scent throughout the house? Um, and because it's so cold and so damp and so humid, that Summer and I would wash our clothes and we would hang them up and it would be like three or four days until they were dry. And like, it's like, it's hilarious, but like all things considered, it was awful. And it, we were upset, like to always be doing laundry. Like there's always laundry. And it's never, like, you're like, we'll never finish it. We're too far behind now. Like, like we're just... There's like not fast enough to do the laundry. I'm like wearing the same clothes for four days in a row because they're still drying. And so it's, we're upset. We're no family, no friends, and no dryer. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. This is one thing that was just like so hard for us. And then one day, out of the blue, a member of our church walks up to us and says, I got you something. We're like, cool. Like expecting like a, Starbucks gift card or something, I don't know. And like, go to her car, and she opens it up, and it's a heated drying rack. What? (laughs) It's this small thing, and in that moment, my wife looked at each other, and like, we're trying to hold back the tears. We were overjoyed. (laughs) Instead of four days, it's four hours to dry my clothes. It's still a long time, but like, it'll dry now. I can can do two loads in one day. It's incredible. It's amazing. We love it. We felt the love of God in that moment. It's this small thing. But we felt like God loves us enough to give us a stupid heated drying rack that we didn't necessarily need. But man, it made a world of difference in our life. It doesn't have to be something big. You don't, to be the manifestation of God's love in someone's life, you don't have to pay off their mortgage. You don't have to pay off their car you can do that, that'd be pretty cool. But I don't think many of us can. It's something small. It's the heated drying rack. It's the cup of coffee. It's inviting them over for dinner. It's a little thing. It's taking an interest in them when nobody else will. 
My previous two reasons for the door being open, how we can tell the door is open to us, I specifically related that to ministry, to loving others. Now, I'd like to say how you can know the door is open for you to walk into the kingdom of heaven. First sign that you know the door is open for you to come into heaven, to come into God's family, you're here right now. Hearing these words, God loves you. He loves you. And he has opened the door for you to come into his kingdom. And no one can shut it. Not even you. It's open for you. Another reason that you can know that the door is open for you is you have some weird people in your life called Christians that are trying to reach out to you, who want to get to know you, who want to spend time with you, who want to hear about your life. They want to hear about your struggles and your wins and everything in between. They want to know you and love you like Jesus Christ knows you and loves you. They want to do that because they want you to, they want to love you and they want you to know that the door is set before you and it is open and you can come into the kingdom of heaven right now to walk through the doorway into the presence of the living God forever. The presence of a God who loves you. Now, I'm sure many of you hear this and you're like, too good to be true, man. No way the door is open for me. Kind of how I felt when God told me the door was open. This all sounds great, but really I feel like the door is pretty much closed for me. There's no ministry opportunities for me. It's not open for me to come into the kingdom. I'll respond to you with, I know how you feel. I know how it feels when you work in ministry and you feel like there's no progress. When you try to love someone and they're just not receiving your love. I know how it feels to have people resistant and hostile to you because you're a Christian. I know how it feels to feel like you aren't worthy of the love of God and that actually the door is not open and he doesn't want you in his family. I know how all of that feels. And it is not an easy thing to just switch off. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm trying to tell you that the door is open. Though we feel like the door is closed, we have to believe that Christ is telling the truth. That what Christ is saying is more true than what our feelings say. That, what Christ, that Christ has, in fact, opened the door. We have to be patient as we try to love others. Patient with them as they realize that the door is open to them. Patient with ourselves as we realize that the door is open. It just takes time. And it's not just kind of a one-off, but we kind of keep working, keep striving. We keep enduring alongside those who don't know Christ. We can't give up on them. We can't give up on walking through the door because we didn't see the progress we wanted. We have to actually love these people. They're not projects. You're not going to fix them. But you're going to love them regardless of how it turns out. You're going to love them like Christ loves them. With everything you have, Because you love them, you want them to walk through the door into the kingdom of heaven. Knowing that the only way that this door is shut is if God shuts it. 
and he is not shutting the door. Knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that the door is open no matter what our feelings tell us. No matter how we feel. We feel like it's closed, but it's not. It's open. Maybe you feel like the door has been shut to you. Maybe you feel like the kingdom of God isn't open to you. I'm telling you that that is not true because God is patient. God is enduring. God is holding on. He wants you to walk through that door. He wants you to walk into his kingdom. God loves you. He's not giving up on you. He's not closing the door. Let's walk through the door. And on the other side that we're walking through into is stability. Walking through the door brings you into the presence of God. He makes you a pillar in his temple forever. You are rooted and firm in the presence of the almighty God and that is what is waiting on the other side of this door that is set before you. What's so unique about the city of Philadelphia was that it's actually a very unstable city. Uniquely positioned near a fault line. They had these things called earthquakes, which I'm sure none of you who live in Phoenix are familiar with. But it's when the ground shakes and things fall down. <laughs> At any moment, an earthquake can come into their city and ruin their life. It can crumble their house or topple the whole city. An earthquake is threatening at any moment. The ground shaked. Instability was a real fear in the Philadelphians. And I'd like to tell you, as I'm sure you all already know, that instability is not a fear unique to them. Instability is a fear that affects us in this room. We're not afraid of the literal ground shaking beneath our feet, but we are afraid of something being thrown at us that will make life feel very unstable. It's a constant threat. Life at any moment can throw something at you, whether it's a car accident, a lost job, a lost loved one. All of a sudden, life can feel very unstable. I don't have to give you any illustrations because I'm sure all of you have had an experience where life gets very unstable for you where all of a sudden it feels like what you're standing on doesn't feel so firm. Where life is trying to throw its biggest knockout punch it can. And Christ is saying to you, if you walk through that door, you will be made a firm pillar in the temple of my God. You will be firm. You'll be rooted you will be stable in his presence. And that, don't hear me saying that it, when you become a Christian, life gets really great. Remember, these are Christians in Philadelphia that are being persecuted right now. They're feeling like the door is closed. They're feeling like things are unstable. It's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that when you go through that door into the presence of the Almighty God, you are rooted in him. You are in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You have an eternal hope that no one can take. That no, door, no one can shut that door. 
walk through the door, not just into the kingdom of heaven, not just into ministry opportunities, but into the presence of the almighty God forever. God is offering a stability that is not found on this earth. God is offering permanent stability, a foundation, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This morning, Christ has placed before you, Spring Midtown, an open door. Are we going to walk through it? I stood right about here, maybe here, right about here with my wife one year ago with an open door before me. You all stood up and came around my wife and I, prayed for us, and said, go, walk through that door. I stand here in the same spot. I say to all of you, go. Walk through that door. Walk through the doors in your jobs, in your, in your church. Walk through the door in your toddler play groups. Walk through the door in your carpool group. Walk through the door in your knitting circles. Walk through the door at your gym classes. Walk through the door at the local pub. Walk through the door that Christ has set before you. Share the good news of Jesus with those around you. Love them. Love them. Like Christ loves them. Walk through that door into the presence of the Almighty God forever. Walk through the door into the kingdom, into God's family. Sit on that. The door is before you and it is open. No one can shut it. Are we going to walk through it? Let's pray.